Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unicorn Farts. Um, the name has really just come from a poem I wrote, which has been inspired by my kids and really has nothing to do with the content of uh, what's in the podcast, apart from the, fart, the fact that maybe sometimes my mind just feels like it's farting stuff out um, and it's good to explore it. So um, today is a bit of a ramble through my own thoughts because this is my first ever podcast. Um, so I hope um, this will be the first one of me just on my own. And then um, I have already been speaking to a few interesting people who have some nice thing, cool things to say um, that I'll hopefully be able to interview um, and have um, a chat with and the next few ones coming up um, and maybe do more monologues again. So we'll see. We'll just see how this goes. Um, yeah, so um, welcome to my podcast. Um, right, so today's um, kind of thoughts has uh, started um, as I was thinking about my own mental health um, to try and kind of like, especially during this time with lockdown and, you know, we were nearly a year into COVID-19 and it's just a really crazy, hectic, fucked up time. Um, so I've been trying to, um, for me, I've been trying to write every day, even if it's just kind of a, for a few minutes um, seems to be really good for my mental health to get my thoughts down on paper. Um, and I was kind of thinking about what I needed to stay mentally well um, and also where it might lead if I didn't stay mentally well. Um, um, I've had difficulties with my mental health in the past and when I was kind of in my early 20s, I had a, I guess what you'd call a proper emotional mental breakdown, which is really difficult. Um, anyway, so I wrote stuff and, and I think this then made me think about exploring it more and talking about it more. So I'll read you a little bit about what I wrote um, and then I'll kind of go through my thoughts about it after that, if that's OK. Um, I've just got to find it. Sorry. <laughs> OK, <laughs> nearly there. So I've got my notes. Sorry, very unprofessional. So um, I was thinking yeah, about what I need. I'll just read a little bit from it now. So it says, I want to feel more fulfilled. I want to feel more inspired. I want someone to be interested. I don't need anything grand, just recognition that my thoughts exist, that I exist, but not in some sort of vacuum. How could anyone survive that way? That would definitely lead me to the waterside of madness, a place I'd be called to, to dip my toe into. The water is extremely still, glass-like, reflecting the evening twilight, a greyish blue and the idea of trees silhouetted around the shores of the lake. I stand on the shingle and everything is still, not a breath of wind. I should feel calm, but I don't. I know that to dip my toe into the water is to invite a violent transformation. Any breach of that small surface will trigger nature's destructive forces. The waves will come and they will take me and they will break me. They will snap me in half and they will steal my mind. Water imps carrying it off into the cloudless sky, hiding it in a crater on the dark side of the moon. Where I'll need to scramble over cold hard rock in the pitch black to find it again. 
The palms of my hands and the caps of my knees sting as the dust settles into the abrasions that crisscross my skin as I continually fall in my search. Back by the water's edge, my body waits, recalling who they were by the... Sorry, start that again. Back by the water's edge, my body waits, recalling who they were by the residual memory in my spinal cord. Shocked that my mind isn't there when it looks like someone who has lost a limb. It exists only in phantom form. Um, sorry, that was me messing about on my keyboard. Um, I'm just really uh, think I'm going to enjoy doing that, making up sounds. But anyway, um, going back to what I wrote, um, even though that <clears throat> the thoughts are quite difficult, um, and I think back to that time, um, kind of, kind of break down all the stuff that came after it. But just kind of before that as well, just growing up, um, finding things emotionally quite difficult at home. Um, there is what I'd identify and what I've always identified with is that there was something within that something when I was going through all those things that that is what keeps me going or has kept me going Um, that wanted to hold on to life that just didn't want to go let go I know when I kind of had that breakdown it was it felt like my fingertips were just kind of you know, really holding on to reality. Um, really didn't want to let go. Um, really wanted to live, I suppose. And I guess it's not just about living. And maybe in those moments, it's kind of just about living and surviving. But actually, when I kind of sit down and really think about what that feeling is that keeps me going, it's it's something also about about moving forward, maybe about waiting for the right time to move forward, to push my life forward. Something that didn't believe in the conditions that have been placed upon it. And sometimes conditions that have just been placed upon it so carelessly by others. Um, and I think about how do I experience it in a kind of physical sense and I think about when I was younger and I was a child it was something very small inside of me that has definitely grown over the years maybe you might experience it as a sort of small flame or or a, or a kind of stone something quite solid inside or maybe something much more fragile than that that needs kind of you know lots of tending to and taking care of um, everybody might kind of experience it differently this kind of almost internal sense of something maybe we'll call it a sense of self maybe it's not that kind of defined (laughs) I don't find it that defined anyway because sense of self is also changing as well so there's these two opposites this kind of sense of self but this constantly changing um individual that you are so those two things are kind of um difficult to reconcile but I think they do go together um so I think about you know, what is that? You know, where does it come from? Am I the only one who's experiencing that? And I think, you know, from my from my work as a counsellor, I can kind of say that I don't think I am. You know, I think everybody has that. And obviously just <laughs> all the reading you do and all the, you know, kind of um, 
therapy work and just literature and everything you know there there is this kind of sense of of wanting to to move forward um so i think there are two things that kind of come up to pl- to play for me in, in that and one is to kind of look at it from a biological kind of perspective an almost biological imperative which we I think we can all kind of understand we come from a really kind of scientific background you know that's how we've all kind of been brought up um you know this idea that we can kind of explain things through kind of biology and geology and physics and all those sorts of things and and not only that but we see it don't we you know we see if we think about you know the 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 want to live the want to move forward the want to grow you know we see it in everyday nature we see it through you know the roots of the trees cracking up through the pavements you know we see it in 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 the weeds you know kind of finding their way through every nook and cranny that they can and we certainly see it i don't know if you ever um if you live near a lake or a pond or you go to the park and whoever there and, and duck season when they're mating um you know their will to survive is really strong it's very violent on those waters um you know there is this thing that, that we want to live and you know we know that's a biological thing survival of the species um but individual survival of that as well which you know the two things go hand in hand and if i survive as an individual the species survives so that that's fine and i i'm happy with that you know it doesn't doesn't bother me that it's uh, a biological imperative there i'm i'm an animal and that's okay but there's also this other part that comes from um i guess from a kind of therapy background um there's a guy called carl rogers who in the 60s was kind of this well he came up with a person-centered approach to kind of therapy and counseling uh he's a bit of a god really uh, uh very kind of you know humanistic and relational and um, and he talks about it as a self-actualization um that they were born with something um which doesn't really have to be at odds with the biological imperative but it it feels like it definitely adds another level we're moving from sort of um you know the kind of reptilian part of our brains to to the limbic part of our brains you know to to somewhere different um so it definitely adds kind of more complexity um and his you know he quotes you know the he quotes that the the organism has one basic tendency and striving to actualize maintain and enhance the experiencing organism us being the organism so we want to enhance our own experience and we want to maintain that we want to actualize it so it, it kind of seems to me that what he's saying is that we are born with some sort of potential i guess like we can go back to the acorn and the tree you know that that there's something there like an imprint of some sort um but not in a deterministic way i guess some of it will be deterministic but um but we were born with this drive to grow to develop to fulfill our potential um so that there's this force that pushes us through these difficult situations that makes us question our situation you know does this fit in with my potential um and that kind of fits for me with growing up my father left and it was very difficult and i felt kind of unloved and unwanted i love my mother but she found it difficult and um nothing was ever really right for her and 
I think I was blamed for a lot of stuff and um anyway so you know my sense of who I was was shaped by those things but actually even though that was all going on there was this always this small part inside of me that maybe was just like hang on a second and I remember waiting and waiting because I was bullied at school as well because I don't know we were poor and I remember waiting and waiting to get to college so I could reinvent myself so I could be who I really was not this kind of person who was cowed and quiet and unconconfident <laughs> though I still definitely was my self-esteem was still very low but it was a chance to kind of try something different that maybe was with more with who more in line with maybe who I felt I was or am if that makes sense and I don't know maybe I think about invite you guys to just think about that like how do you feel it? Do you feel it as something quite... You know, Do you know it's there? Do you know your kind of <clears throat> potential is there? Or do you feel it as something else, something that you, you you have no name for? You just know that it's something that survives within you. And I think it is a bit like that. I think it's slightly intangible. Um, kind of like a sort of... I don't know mist of some sort I don't, I don't really know I'm feeling quite Star Trekky now <laughs> I can't try, trying to think of some sort of image of it um but it's just something there that that survives but um something that is not always knowable um and I'll get I'll talk about a bit more about that later actually when we'll come on to kind of like um some Aristotle about kind of connection with I don't know what it is to be so yeah something something kind of unknowable but something we can explore and we can get to know a bit better look at it from different perspectives so to get to know it better let's try and kind of look at it from some different perspectives um if i go back to carl rogers again we're talking about self-actualization if that's kind of um you know if we're kind of feeling okay with that, that um definition um his kind of one of the things he would um say is that it's not deterministic um that actually um even though maybe we think about it as a sort of blueprint something we're born with um the, the blueprint really is just the potential to grow um and we can even see that from a kind of um biological viewpoint as well if we think about the fact that our bodies renew all the time um, and that even though we're the same being, we're constantly changing. So there's something about um, something that's solid and stays there all the time and something that's constant. Um, but at the same time, even though we're constant, we're const we are we also constantly changing and we're not actually the same at all. Um, so the two again kind of go together. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, if you think about it from a really simple point of view, you know, apart from that, we, you know, we know we used to let, you know, I know I used to hate mushrooms when I was a kid, but I love them now. Uh, you know, people like classical music that they didn't like, you know, a bit of line dancing, you know, whatever floats your boat. But, you know, our kind of thoughts and our likes and the things we do in our life and the things we care about constantly changing. So that kind of goes with that that as well. And, you know, why 
Why is that? You know, what is that about? Um, and how how open are we to that change? You know, how how do we kind of define who we are? Um, so again, kind of Roger, if we go back to Rogers, you know, we talk about um, our conditions of worth. Um, now, these are basically conditions that have been placed upon us from external sources that kind of a bit like what I was talking about earlier with my my upbringing and how I ended up feeling about myself but it's much wider than that so it's basically all the influences on your life so you know your kind of parents the messages that that they gave you your schooling your religion your culture you know where you live like who your friends are just just everything that you kind of take in um, and you internalize and then you decide that's the truth about you Uh, oh yeah that's who I am that fits with the story and the narrative of who I am um so you know they come from like simple phrases you know it can be simple as you know maybe if you're told as you're growing up you know if you're a girl you know oh you know she's such a good girl you know and you get that all your life you know you get positive praise for basically being compliant um this can be internalized as something essential to you um and then you be kind of come that 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 good girl who always has to kind of please everybody um and maybe puts themselves second, um, has to, you know, be the smiley one, the one that doesn't talk about what their needs are, um, always kind of takes that back seat. Um, so it can actually be really detrimental. I guess it can be positive in some ways because you probably make lots of friends, but um, it also is negative because maybe you don't really ask for what you want or what you need. So, you know, it, they really can be really complex. The simplest thing can, can have massive effects on you if you internalise it, you know, as your message. This Instead of this is what I'm told I am, this is what I am. I am a good girl or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so it becomes part of your narrative about yourself to, to such an extent um, that actually when people, well-meaning sometimes, or if you, you know, kind of, you know, kind of challenge that, um it, it feels like a threat, you know, even though actually it could be a really positive thing to challenge that notion about yourself, but because it is such a part of who you are, and it's you, it's something you identify with so much when, when somebody sort of just says, oh, hang on a second, you know, isn't it time you thought about yourself or what what have you? Um, that can be really difficult for people, you know, to kind of take that on board and think, yeah, that's what I'll do. Um, because actually, who are they if they're not that person? So it's quite can be quite a scary experience, but it also can be a really beautiful experience to challenge it as well. Um, I think there's something about about that sort of being able to take feedback from others, um, being able to see things from from other perspectives. There's something about being open. So if you can open yourself up to those things, you can see that you you can change, you can make choices based on that. And those choices potentially will be much more based upon, um, you know, your self-actualizing tendency upon um, the need for growth and development and change, um, that we're not static, um, that actually it's okay that we change. Um, so opening that gate kind of is, you know, can be transformative. Um, and you get that, you get this kind of friction, I think, you know, when I've worked with people and, and for myself as well, if you're, if you're stuck, if you feel really stuck in a place, sometimes it can be about those things. It can be about the fact that who you want to be or where you're aiming, or it's not about who you want to be, but what you're aiming for, 
um, what you know your potential, your growth is telling you is at odds with where you are and actually what you're doing at the moment and the, the conditions that you're carrying around are not allowing you to fulfill that potential um, to grow in that way. Um, and, you know, and that growing in that way, again, like we said, is not deterministic. It's not like, you know, yeah, you're going to grow in this this certain way that's been mapped out for you. You know, you've got this kind of a priori diagram of who you are. You know, again, if we go back to nature and biology, we see that, you know, things grow at funny angles and, um, and then things straighten out and they like pop their head towards the sun or they find a different way of doing things. Um, and we find different ways of doing things and we find different ways of seeing ourselves and we find different ways of relating to other people. Um, so, yeah, so when you feel that stuckness, you might feel really frustrated, but you might not know how to, to change that or, or, or why or, or, or kind of what the reasons are for you, for, for you feeling that way. Um, and I guess I'd say, um, you know, for me, it was starting to understand that and see those things about myself and starting to experiment and not always knowing what it is I wanted or what it, where it was I was going, but just trying to be more open, trying to do more things, you know, just taking a chance on stuff and, 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 and also being okay with it, not being perfect, not being... And that's the that's the thing as well. We live in a very goal orientated society, and it's just about trying something and and being okay with it, and not having it to be not needing it to be perfect. That actually is about the process, which you'll see is like fucking cliche, but it's so true. You know, it's so true. It is it is about just what you gain from the experience, um, and actually, you know, this idea that you need to kind of hone crafts. You know, if you if you start something and you like it and you want to get better at it because actually when you've tried it you think god this feels right this works for me you know thinking about the fact that I like to write and god stuff right now is could be really awful I just write a few minutes every day or whatever and and if I look back to you know 10 years ago it's horrendous (laughs) just stuff I wrote but um but you know you've got to start somewhere and um when you dig through all that kind of detritus and shit that just splurges out or whatever you know, you find something that's worth having in there, you know, something that really connects with you. So, so I'd say about experiment with whatever that might be, you know, I could talk about writing, but it might be art, it might be, you know, pushing your body to do something physical, um, you know, anything that you, you think, oh, I'd like, maybe there's something you think, so I'd like to try that, just give it a go. Um, You know, and I still carry lots of those conditions of worth. It's not why I, you know, try these things and then, um, I look at me as super confident lady and just, you know, nothing fucking phases me. It's just not true at all. Um, but what I can do is I can see those things for what they are, that when I feel real low self-esteem and I feel like, yeah, fuck, I'm not loved or I'm unwanted or whatever, I can take a step back and maybe cry or whatever I need to do, but know that actually that's just one perspective that's just one kind of you know way of looking at myself Um, and actually the evidence doesn't always back that up um so so again like I said what I've tried to do is to be open about my own growth of the things that don't jar with that part of me that I was born with you know that's how it feels it feels like it was something I was born with whether that is biological psychological 
you know, something, a mixture of both, it doesn't matter. If it makes me feel better to know myself, to open myself up, to gain a sense of fulfillment, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, and I guess I'm thinking, well, how the fuck do you do this? Okay, you keep talking about it, but I guess it is different for everybody. Um, you know, I said before, you know, some people might want to run, some people, you know, might want to do painting, reading, making, um, and experience ourselves in different ways. And maybe you need to try some of those things first. And maybe some th- some things you they won't work for you, and, and you'll think, oh, that was a nice experience. <laughs> it's not not something I want to carry on doing, and that's okay as well. Um, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be anything. But it, it, for me, it's the really small things. It's like, you know, kind of I think about the fact that you know when I'm laughing and dancing. These are like the really small things in life, but they're the ones that make me feel most alive and most connected. You know, I'm laughing and I've got my defences are down and I'm laughing with somebody and they're laughing back. You know, we are really connecting and that's what that's all about, I guess, is that is that connection. Um, and I'm being me and they're being them without any, yeah, any conditions placed upon us or any judgment, which is a beautiful thing. If we think ourselves more of as like a prism um you know different things will bring us different feelings you know running will make you think I can do this it's a challenge and and I'm really glad that I'm able to do it um you know comedy makes us laugh and just being with other people feel connected and these are all things that help you grow and develop <coughs> and um you know kind of push forward this self self-actualization process if that's what we want to call it I'm just using that because it's you know it's a good term that people understand so I think, again, what I was saying, what it comes down to, I feel like, is that in all of these things, it's something about connection, whether it's a connection to the self, a connection to others, a connection to nature, or really something much deeper than that, a connection to the source of our being, you know, whatever your spiritual or religious kind of thoughts are, that, you know, connection to universe, whatever, whatever that might be for, for, for everybody, it'll be, it'll be slightly different and based on your belief systems, but something quite deep. Um, So, yeah. So, so how do we do that? Like, how do we, um, how do we connect? How do we make that connection? Um, So I think there's something about moving away from the rational and into the realms of creativity. Um, If we think about going back to the ancient Greeks, Aristotle considered creativity to be be a gift from the gods, Um, something you experience as close an experience of... Oh, sorry, my writing is just awful. Uh, Close an experience of being as close as you could be to the oneness of things. Um... And the only way you can get there is, from his point of view, is only when you're bereft of your rational senses. Um, He defined art as the realisation of an external form of a true idea. Um, You know, that feels like quite a nice idea that actually through kind of our creativity, uh, we're kind of reaching for some sort of truth, whether it's a truth about ourselves, it's a truth about the world at large, truth about the universe, truth about somebody else. 
we're trying to find something that's kind of real, I suppose, a kind of representation of our own processes, um, something that's going on inside of us, um, you know, and where does that come from? That kind of um, beautiful sort of kind of co-creation with a, through your thoughts or through your um, relationship with the outside world. Um, and I just, um, know that, sorry, I've got a bit lost. <laughs> and I think again about that, again, about that connection we said about before is that we all know each other kind of in the moment. Um, if we're talking about, I, said, I mentioned earlier about laughing and dancing, you know, that kind of, we don't care about the right or wrong of it when we're in that moment. Um, and actually we really know each other in that moment with no pretense or condi conditions that we connect. Um, and that's the same with, with everything. So that's said the same with, like you said, the, the writing and the making and the cre creating. There's something we're connecting with. It's a connection with your own emotional landscape. Um, and then the next step, I guess, is to hope that when you, you create what you what you what you've made or written or you know whatever it is that this connects with others i think that is always that next step and i think that can be the same for anything you know i think when people say well you know kind of run a connection with nature so that's great that's a connection with nature but i also think there is this other part of us that it's it it helps us inspire others there's always that kind of level of connection with others um well, maybe not always. I know some people really like to live as, you know, completely alone as hermits and that's their choice. But I think in general, there is this sense that we like to, yeah, we like, we're kind of showing something to, to somebody else. We're enjoying it ourselves. There's no doubt about that. It's definitely kind of not, not uh, altruistic in that way. But I think a lot of the time there's also this connection. When you've made something, when you've done something, you also want to share that with somebody else. But it's up to you. I mean, I guess I'd invite you to think about what you get from the actions that you instigate in your life and think about in what way do each of them make you feel and think about the levels of that. Like, what are you getting from it? Is there a kind of a relational aspect to it? Um, you know, and then kind of thinking about that, that leads you on to thinking about self-care as well, because if you if you understand how kind of each of the things that you invite into your life makes you feel then you know what to do to help yourself when you're potentially feeling in a situation you want to remove yourself from. You know, maybe you're feeling a bit sad and you're okay in that moment, but then you get to a point and you're like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. You know, you have an understanding of the things you do and the way that they make you feel. And you can invite those things in. And the more you invite them in, the more practice you become at them and the easier it is to call on them, I guess. Um, and connection also brings up the idea of dialogue and co-creation, which I just, I love, <laughs> I love these ideas. Um, how we can't actually develop a sense of, so the idea around that we can't actually develop a sense of self without others, without another. So whether, like I said, that's other people or the world or animals or whoever it might be. You know, so we've got Rene Descartes, who was, you know, he said, I think, therefore I am. But that just doesn't seem to fit because if you have no other or outside world, how can you even imagine yourself existing? 
where would you imagine get its material from? It needs something to to work with. You know, again, if we go back to that image of making or creating, you know, what we've got our tools, maybe our minds and our brains, but, you know, where's the clay and where's the paint and where's the pen? And, you know, it's a really, we can't do it without some others. And where's the feedback, you know? How do we know that what we've made is is of of any worth? You know, we might maybe know it's worth to us, but do we want to know whether it's of any worth or connection to other people as well? You know, that seems important to us to know. So I came across this interesting article about dialogue um, and about how when we were young, um, when we are young, we speak out loud Um kind of whatever you know that is it's you know to another person or just to an imagined person or you know no one in particular um you know we see kids do it all the time you know with their small world play and just you know imaginary friends and those sorts of things but that as we grow up we internalize our kind of that you know that speaking out loud um but there's an idea that this can then kind of truncate our thoughts and that actually to expand those thoughts we need to allow them space such as talking out loud, um, again, or talking out loud, talking to another person, writing them down. Um, and another interesting thing that came out of the article is that it's walking. Um, it's, it seems to be really, um, really helpful for thought process. Um, that actually movement has been found in certain research to help people develop ideas. So that's quite interesting um, if we think about the fact that we normally sit down all the time to work. Um, but I guess if anybody, you probably all know that maybe you've, You've had certain thoughts and then you go out for a walk and there's something about the action of doing that that seems to be able to help you expand your thoughts. And I think what you'll find is most of the time when you're doing that, you're probably speaking to an imaginary person in there that actually you're 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 talking a process through. It's just it's not just that tiny concept that first comes into your head that can just float off. It You expand on it, you build on it. Um so so that you know you're kind of getting that from that so there is something about um a- sorry that was my son who just walked in while i was trying to do this um but he's gone now just wanted an apple but i just getting back to that point that um i think it's a beautiful thing because it allows us um this thing about walking and kind of talking is it we're allowing our thoughts to engage with our bodies which is a really kind of um a really nice thought as well that actually it's not just our minds that need to be engaged um it's got to be um our bodies as well um you know it's got to be something outside of our minds um that we're kind of connecting with our bodies with the outside world with other people with the page uh, with our tools, whatever whatever it might be, and in doing so, we are co-creating, and I, th- I just think it's such a beautiful idea. Um, another book that I've been reading over many years called the System, the Systems View of Life: A Unifying Vision. Uh, it's a big old book; it's like a textbook. That's why I've been reading it for years. Um, talks about this. Um, idea how that actually we cannot learn and develop without interaction with the world um it talks about the idea of disturbances um so so basically maybe we we have this sense of our who we are our sense of self 
that's been built already by disturbances. So disturbance is something that affects you, um, your sense of who you are, or just you as a kind of um, an organism. So I'll, I'll read your quote in a minute, which might make it a bit more clear. Um, actually, I'll read the quote first. Um, so according to the theory of autopoiosis, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, a living system couples to its environment structurally, that is, through recurrent interactions, each of which triggers structural changes in the system. Living systems are autonomous, however. The environment only triggers the structural changes. It does not specify or direct them. As a living organism responds to environmental influences with structural changes, these changes will in turn alter its future response because the organism responds to the disturbances according to its structure and that structure has now changed. So if we think about the fact that potentially we have you know, we have got our own conditions of worth, we have kind of our own sense of self from, from kind of growing up and, well, just life in general. Um, then somebody comes along like this, like this podcast comes along and tries to talk to you and say, oh, look at these things I think and I feel and, like, how do you think about that? How do you feel about that? And some people might just go, oh, she's fucking talking absolute fucking bollocks. What is this all about? And that's fine. Like, you choose. That doesn't fit with your worldview and you choose. This disturbance does not fit with me. Um... You know, and it might be something more difficult, you know, it might, might be something more, like, threatening, um, you know, kind of, well, I've been in this sort of situation before, you know, maybe we're in a new situation, but there has there's things in it that make you feel anxious when you, you know, go out or something like that, and you, you expect that things are going to happen, and maybe that means you're closed off to that, the influences of that situation, you close yourself on, off from that disturbance on yourself. Um, and I kind of liken it a bit to, so I kind of liken it a bit to sort of like genetic mutation. Again, we're going back to that, you know, biology, that lots of little things can happen, you know, in our bodies. We have little genetic mutations all the time inside ourselves, but a lot of the time it doesn't affect us in any way. And then other times, other times, sorry. And then other times, um, sorry, I just had a little, um, child walking again so that's why I'm probably repeating myself um these disturbances might have a small effect on us we um and um it kind of changes the course of of the of the species or the way we you know the way we kind of deal with life um so what I guess what I was saying in that is that what we can do is we can you know we, we're making a choice about which disturbances we allow into our lives or not and and I think that so that goes back to um what we were talking about before with kind of you know co-creation and allowing ourselves to be open that actually if you are kind of if you are open then you're allowing your organism to develop you're allowing your organism to to, to grow to a certain point and then what you're doing is you as a person and the things that you do are, are, are being co-created um, by you and your environment and your others and those around you rather than kind of being a closed system that doesn't want to respond to, to what's happening outside of themselves because again we, maybe we go back to that thing about threat and fear you know this is this is who I am and if you start kind of saying, well, maybe you're not like that, maybe it's like this, 
you know, the fear is, who am I? Um, where will I go? Who will I be? Um, but, you know, if we kind of take this, this approach that actually we have this paradoxical thing where there is this kind of sense of who you are that's kind of solid, but that you're kind of forever changing, then it's okay that you change. And actually it's important that you change because you're not then, there isn't any growth there. Um, so I guess just saying, give it a go, like if people kind of want to. So yeah, my conclusion really is that I think that what helps kind of me in my life and makes me feel more fulfilled is to be open. It's being open to being disturbed, um, to allow myself to grow. It gives me a better sense of myself um, and definitely just makes me feel more congruent, makes me feel more genuine. Um, it allows me to connect with others. It allows me to be really straightforward about things, to not be so fearful about, I don't know, disturbing others, because actually I know what it's like to have kind of grown from that. And I think that can probably be quite annoying for people because <laughs> I'm constantly asking questions and in their face. And I think, but I think I've potentially always been a little bit like that. Um, so yeah, that's it really. I, I, um, that's me and my monologue and my absolute rambling today. Um, so I really thank you for listening and I hope you got something out of it. Um, and hope maybe, or maybe, you know, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but, um, I hope then to, I've got a few people that who have agreed to talk to me so it be much more of a chat next time and I can ask them questions about their life and the, the things that they do and what is meaningful for them um, and um, yeah, just kind of have some good conversations with people about their lives and what they do and just learning more about what people do in their lives to um, feel fulfilled I suppose. Uh, what I'll probably do now is I'm probably just going to leave you with my unicorn farts poem, which is just something really silly, um, but I just want to lighten the mood a little bit. Okay, lots of love, everybody. Bye. Those bloody unicorns are outside again, cavorting around like nobody's business, leaving piles of glitter the kids will stand in. Oh, why can't they put it in the bin? It gets smeared down the path. It's so hard to clean it off their shoes. They drag it through the house where the singing mouse with his mini tuba calls his marching band. Tinkling the keys of the grand is Stan the Stoat. He says he lives in a moat, but I'm not sure I believe him. Something about his gait, the way he walks, talks of treachery of the most heinous kind. He'll dazzle you with his B-sharps, then rob you blind. Then next comes Mole, piping soul into that fat clarinet the instrument as smooth as his playing. But wait, what am I saying? I want them gone or the kids will start prancing about when I want to get them out the door. Get to the shops for some more cauliflower and cheese. It's Wednesday, please. Let's stick to the plan. Though I'm not sure I can. My arms are in the air. We've been joined by Hugo Hare. There's no hope for me now. We're in the next half hour or less. He has a musical prowess, the likes of which I've never seen. So we dance and float around the kitchen sink, now filled full of punch. No need to worry about lunch or dinner or bath. Life is just one long laugh that all starts when a unicorn farts.